0: Well, here's the choice. You can survive for another year without the medicine, or maybe even another two or three years without the medicine, but at some point you can't cure a corpse. And so, <laughs> yes, you yes, know. Yes, yes. Okay. Mark, good morning. Hello. Good morning Hello. on mini budget day. I can't wait for how they're going to balance those books. It's going to yes. be a challenge, <laughs> man. Yeah. It's mini-budget day. It is also, and this is a
1: coincidence, Halloween What's the day after Halloween, I suppose. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so should, should we be expecting a trick or treat out of the mini-budget? What do you think? Yes, no, precisely. Don't hold your breath for treats. If I can just jump forward like a,
1: yeah. a long way to our numbers question. Yeah. The question that I have for you on Halloween, I have two questions. The first is, which is the biggest horror movie in terms of global box office revenues ever? <laughs> um, hang on. Um, I don't know. Okay, so they're what? unfair to ask you these questions. It was ridiculous. I had the
0: opportunity to Google them. I didn't know them before. It either. won't be the first, and it won't be the last unfair question <laughs> I get from <laughs> you, Jim Guy.
1: Anyway, the answer is The Exorcist.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Actually, only narrowly beats Jaws, yeah. which they regard as a horror movie. But anyway, that's the... No,
0: Jaws was scary. Jaws was scary, yeah. Jaws was scary. I was maybe a lot younger, yeah. but that bloody thing wouldn't die. Eh? It, was kidding, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. it was climbing on that boat. It was on that boat. It was going to kill us all. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know, I know. The interesting
1: thing to me about Halloween is its origins. It comes from this Gaelic festival called Samhain. Can you tell I've been Googling? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and. It is the end of the harvest season. It's ready to mark the end of the harvest season and the start of the dark half of the year. But the weird thing about Halloween is how popular it's becoming all around the world. It's really becoming a a sort of an international kind of weirdo celebration. There are enough weirdos around. Which I think is pretty obvious, actually, if you think about it, because what's not to like? You dress up in weird stuff. And you get candy. Uh, you know, it's like, oh great. I
0: used to when my kids were small, I used to dress up as Mr. Dick. You know, the guy with the yeah, with the scythe. Uh, yeah. And the kids used to open the door. And after about four of them it burst into tears, my wife said, Okay, enough. Okay.
1: Let's <laughs> get the sweets out. <laughs> Let's just go with the sweets. <laughs> the popularity of Halloween, you could measure it in the U.S. by annual spend. And it is extraordinary how much it's increased. It's really become a kind of national holiday. You can sort of understand why. It's escapism, isn't it? Exactly.
0: It's like winning the rugby. <laughs> 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 oh, well. oh, oh. You best not be quoted as calling that escapism. There's some big in that team, okay? <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. But you know what I mean? Ox it it, does, it does take you yeah. away from all of the other problems ah, in yeah, South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. W- what a pleasure it was to be taken away from such yeah, I know, exactly.
1: I've had an interesting sort of interaction with a whole bunch of people because for some reason I wrote about the rugby and leadership, which I think is a very interesting topic. I wrote about Russi Erasmus's leadership style, yeah, and then also, of course, Sirepolis' leadership style. And it was amazing to me how many people responded and how many experts there are just on the topic of leadership. Yeah, Leadership's an absolutely malleable feast. You know, it's a sort of, it's very difficult. And yeah. as a consequence, there's an enormous number of books written about it, an enormous number of experts on it, and it's quite difficult to pin down. What's your sort of definition of great leadership?
0: First of all, you can't sit out in the morning to be a leader, okay? And to be honest, I'm not sure you can be voted in as a leader, okay, entirely. I think you can be voted in as a representative, but not necessarily a leader. But the the, the characteristics that SIA has displayed is, first of all, modesty in achievement. Second of all, let the best team play, okay? And and that's where I think one of the critical issues is in our country. So when Sierra's had his run... Rossi calls him off as the captain, and off he goes. And they put another guy in his place, or if he's, you know, I mean, one of the keys to our our victories in in, in the World Cup is that they always fielded the team of the minute, the best team in this given circumstances. You know, take this kicker off, put that kicker on, regardless of it. So, so leadership in modesty, recognizing that you are but a at best cohesion of a team, not an individual yes. as a leader, and then demonstrable expertise. You have to know what you're doing. You have There has to be evidence that in a crisis, you have what it takes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So with hindsight in a crisis, you end up having made the right judgment call in the circumstances, win or lose. Okay. And so there, there has to be challenged and you have to pass the threat test as a leader, because that's when you're required. To sail a ship in a calm sea, that's it. But to sail a ship in the middle of a storm, that's when a leader gets tested. And all of that doesn't begin with popularity. It ends with popularity, okay? Leaders become popular. They don't have to start off popular. In fact, some of the the, the leaders with the best track records earn their way almost unsuspectingly into that role. And it's a great comfort to have someone who you know hasn't filled himself up with ego, but rather with experience and loss and mutual respect and all of those things uh, that I think we all know about and that manifest. You know, of course, the the areas where skill or technical skill is a prerequisite, mm -hmm. but often a leader is the conductor of the orchestra and doesn't necessarily have to play a particular instrument well. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, in reading about this, you do come
1: across quite often this distinction between leaders who are good team builders Yeah. As opposed to leaders who are good inspirers. Yeah. And they are in the team building process, actually quite a lot of leaders, you know, they kind of a dick. They don't shy away from the very hard conversations that that is really necessary Never. and that are easy to to avoid, right? Yeah. Because it's the easiest thing in the world to say, I don't have to have a hard conversation with this employee. Yeah. And to just let it ride. And if you do that, you very quickly end up in, in the dwang. Yeah. But there are these, so Steve Jobs, people often say that he, he, as a person, he was kind of unpleasant. There's a lot of, lot of leaders that sort of fit into that mold, especially in business. Yeah. But in sport, you just get the opposite. You need these inspirational people who lead from the front and lead with the ideas yeah. and lead with the, the transformational concepts. It's very tricky, this whole question.
0: It requires a depth of experience and the bravery to make a mistake, but to call it. You have to call it. That's the challenge to leaders, is that you, in any given moment, have to make a call. And sometimes you'll be wrong, and, and then mistakes are just learning curves, embedded learning curves. And when you get it right, you get it right. But what you can't do is kick it down the road. We Might not have the best soccer team in the world, but we've got the best kick it down the road team that I've ever come across. Okay, so so we can kick cans down the road until there's no road left to kick them down. Okay, that's not leadership. Leadership is embracing and owning the problem, not just sitting there distantly making a decision on behalf of others. Yes, no, exactly. But immersing yourself in the ownership and responsibility and standing in the front and facing the fire. Which brings us very neatly on the subject
1: of kicking things down the road <laughs> to the mini budget. Uh, the, yeah, um, yeah, well. I, I've also been having an argument with a whole bunch of people about South Africa's debt level. Wow, and that we will become particularly apposite or particularly noticeable today. We, we are recording this before the mini budget is delivered. Yeah, but what we know already is that South Africa's income receipts have been lower by we reckon somewhere around about fifty, mil- 50 billion rand. Uh, which is a big chunk, right? Yeah. So the question is, wh- what kind of savings does the Treasury try and extract in order to keep South Africa's fiscal sort of position stable? But there's lots of people who say, no, 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 we can't. I'm mean, including the cabinet that uh, South Africa needs to spend more. And uh, our fiscal position is actually not that bad and uh, we can handle it. Do you have a sort of position on South Africa's debt level? Yeah,
0: absolutely. First of all, I think I write about it this week. First of all, we cannot resort to selling capital assets to fund current consumption. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. You know, it's just such an old rule. Don't borrow to fund current consumption. That's like 101, but it's consumption. You can't. So we have to increase revenue. Okay. You can't only cut expenditure and you certainly can't cut In particular, populist demand cannot be serviced out of a destruction of the asset's ecosystem, okay? Because that's what it eventually results in. So that's rule number one, and uh, we can't do it. And it's happening everywhere. Transnet disposing of 50 billion worth of assets, the post office selling off branches, which essentially attack its strategic positioning in what it delivers and so on. And so that's rule number one. Rule number two, I think is, there are no comparable measures of what should your debt to GDP be, what should you want. It depends on what you do with the money. Yes. Okay. <laughs> if you're borrowing money to build, that's a very different thing than if you're borrowing money to consume. Okay. I read somewhere that 18 cents out of every randomised goes to servicing interest. That's a hell of a chunk. In fact, for most companies, that cost would exceed their natural margin. Yes. You know, their natural net EBITDA or whatever it might be. So... We're in between a rock and a hard place because on the one hand, we're trying to satisfy non-economic populism. And on the other hand, we have to invest for growth to address the shortcomings of our social security and other support mechanisms. You have to invest. You have to have a commercially sustainable state to afford transformation and subsidy and all of those good things. One can't sell assets to pay social grants. You yeah. know, it's a circle with a very... Obvious ending. So that's a a big challenge, and the other challenge I think we're increasingly facing is that getting capital from offshore—that is to say, introducing new capital outside our own system—is becoming increasingly difficult, if not prohibitively expensive. So it's a hard, it's a hard budget, eh? The people who are arguing, and there's a whole set of economists who've signed this
1: letter, say that we're not facing a fiscal cliff, uh, the people who claim that we're facing a fiscal cliff are overstating the problem because they want to disempower the poor. The debt-to-GDP ratios of countries around the world are so enormously varied that it doesn't actually tell you anything. Aggregating the debt-to-GDP around the world doesn't really teach you anything. It's complete nonsense. Okay. It's It's incomparable. If you are a growing country, yeah. then a 70% debt to GDP ratio, which is the one that we've got at the moment, would be peanuts. You know what I mean? You would say, that's we need to borrow more. Yeah, exactly. But we're not a growing country. Yeah. And in, a, in, the, in the context of a country that is not growing, a 70% debt to GDP ratio, to me, seems
0: very high. I read somewhere that our GDP per capita is, is lower than it was 20 years ago or some crazy number. I haven't got that number exactly right. But if you've got a 70% debt to GDP ratio, but GDP is growing at 5%, it's a very different discussion than if GDP is growing at a half a percent. You can't afford to borrow. So what we really need to balance the books is some capital investment, permanent capital investment. And in order to attract that, we're going to have to demonstrate an open mind and an appropriate risk return risk, and we're going to have to allow the owners of permanent capital some oversight and discretion in what they can invest in directly and manage and control. Otherwise, they won't give us the money because they know we can't do it. We talked about leadership in the beginning. This is going to require extraordinary leadership. This is when you have to take the bitter medicine, and if you do not give your child the bitter medicine, it will get sicker. And that's just where we are. This is a big test, I think, for not only for the Treasury, but actually
1: also for the President. Absolutely because the president is sitting here facing a very difficult choice on the one hand he's going into an election next year in which the all the opinion polls sh- show the ANC down yeah and then on the other hand he's facing maybe you can't call it a fiscal cliff i don't want to go there but but it is a a tough fiscal environment and i think they've already made their choice their, their choice is that there's no way they're going to hold the spending this year because they're not going into an election with the civil servants not getting a Something great
0: increase. Well, here's the choice: you can survive for another year without the medicine, or maybe even another two or three years without without, without the medicine. But at some point, you can't cure a corpse, okay? And so (laughs) you know, (laughs) okay. And so and so now, actually, what we need, and I haven't done this scientifically, my sense is that we need about eight percent GDP growth to get out of the hole and equalize the unemployment poverty and inequality circumstances that we find in. So we need maybe 3 to 5% to afford the GDP, debt-to-GDP ratio. All of these things suggest that we need to fund growth, you know, not consumption. You know. We need to plant. We can't harvest. There ain't nothing to harvest. And so we all know that it's very easy to sit here on the sidelines and say that. You need extraordinary leadership. You need people to bite the bullets. You need to convince people that this is what you need. You need to convince people That there is virtue in deferred consumption. You need to convince them that you know what you're doing, that the growth strategy that you present to them, which you have to fund, is in their longer term best interest. And the trouble is, if you ask the general population of South Africa to tighten their belt, there ain't no more space for tightening. So we're really harvesting the folly of our previous populist spending. Yeah. Anyway, I I don't envy the Minister of Finance. I think he's holding a steady ship as best he can, and may he prevail in financial sense because that's his job. All righty. So, do you have any numbers you want to throw out there? Yeah, yeah. Well, my number of the day is 1.08. Scientific America has just released a survey or study which says that on average, people lie 1.08 times a day. Okay. So, <laughs> term, I don't know how your day's going. Or whether you've already <laughs> met your quota. Okay. But I can tell you that excluded from that statistic is obviously politicians worldwide yes. and South Africans in particular. Okay. Because <laughs> I think we helped move that, bump that average up. Anyway, so that's that. And then, of course, we've got Eskom doubling its loss to $23.9 billion. You know,
1: that's
0: I, I long for the good old days. When we used to talk about millions. Yes, yes. yes, You know, I mean, you know, when we used to say so many millions and this and so many million, and we all used to think, oh, that's it. And now it's just billions. Millions doesn't even get invited to the party. It's a billions party. Talking of which, oh, Magic Johnson is now officially a dollar billionaire. Just goes to show you can bugger around with a ball in the backyard and you can make a bloody good living (laughs) of it. Okay. (laughs) You know, so there's hope hope for all of us. I mean, I, I love on the lying one, I love
1: the 1.08. Yeah. I love the fact that, 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 you know, quite a lot of people are telling a tenth of a lie. Half not two. not quite yeah. a lie, you know, but uh, uh, could be interpreted as a, as a lie by some people. Yeah,
0: oh. they, they start lying and then they check the expression on your face and they, they sort of back down. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean, <laughs> I was mean, sort of kind of saying that you know, it fills up the, the point
1: zero uh, eight. Okay. And then, of course, the most important number of them all is one. We know this the power of one. The power of one. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going into the cricket semi finals. It seems like South Africa's very likely to get there. And the one thing
0: about cricket is that one is not usually an issue here. Yeah, <laughs> it's not usually an issue. Yeah. I love the fact that in, in rugby, we had one plus one equals four cups. Okay. <laughs> you know, <we> just <laughs> no, it's, it's, In cricket, actually, we, we won the last test against Pakistan yeah. with just one wicket. Okay. So it was very close. Yeah. No, that's true. So one is maybe an issue in cricket. There's a nice one. The Proteers only need to win one out of their next three games. To get into the semi-final, so may they do that. And today on Budget Day, <laughs> they're playing against the Kiwis. Yes. That would be the All Blacks. Okay. Yes. And so there's going to be a little bit of grinding that ball today, gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> Have a nice day. Okay.
1: Thanks, Mark. Nice chat. Okay. Cheers, okay. cheers. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. For
0: the, the biggest pod network, network on the continent, con- for sales inquiries, please contact, contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.